Praise the Lord. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles this morning, hallelujah, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Hallelujah. Man, it's great to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Wow. No, that's all right. I like a good narration. It says, For the message of the cross, think about that, the message of the cross, what would you think would follow that? It says, Is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, this is a quote from Isaiah, Isaiah, it's a prophecy about the cross, what it would be to the world. It says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Well, that's awesome. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray right now that you would uh, minister your word, Lord. Oh, Father, that you would... um, Lord, you would let us see your cross, Lord God, our only hope in a dark world, Lord God. Father, it is the hope above all hopes, Lord God, the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord God. I pray that that message would come through this morning, Lord. Father, that they would experience, Lord, your offer, your love, Lord God. Oh, Father, right now, I just pray that you would move me aside, Lord, and you would minister your word. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So if you look up that word foolishness, it is actually a Greek word where we get our word moron. It, it's a Greek word. Literally, the word is Moria, and Moria is where we get our word moron. It means stupidity, it means absurdity, it means foolishness, it means the message of the cross is absurdity, silliness, foolishness uh, to those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And that scripture is saying so much this morning. Uh, the title of my message is The Cross of Christ. Um, this morning we need to get the power of Christ because all over uh, this city, all over this nation, all over this world, people are going to church and they're trying to figure out where is the power of God. 
Where's the power of God for my life? Where are the miracles? I want God to do something in my life. I want God to do an amazing thing. I've got problems in my family. I've got relationship problems. I've got marriage problems. I've got addiction issues. And how many know they're going to churches all over the world today? Morning, Brother Ray. Praise the Lord. They're going to churches all over the world looking for the power of God. But many times, they're not finding it. I mean, know that a lot of people will follow Christ, follow a church, they'll follow instructions, they'll follow all these things, but they don't experience the power of God. They don't experience the power that this is talking about this morning, that the message of the cross... Did you hear it this morning? It's silly... Absurd, foolish to everybody else, but the ones who have experienced it, they've unleashed something. They've unlocked something, and it's almost as if God put all of His power in the cross. And, in fact, it goes on later, it says it's a stumbling block. It's foolishness, it's absurdity. And so I want to discuss that this morning. How do you unlock, how do you unleash the power of God? And maybe we can figure out why so many are going to church, so many are reading their Bible, so many are doing so many things, and the power of God is just not being unleashed in their life, and people don't recognize the power in their life, and they don't see the power in their life. It's because we haven't fully embraced this cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Let's go as we, as we look in the scriptures here. The first thing that it talks about is the message of the cross. But as you begin to read this scripture, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 18. I want you to see how many times he uses the word foolishness or absurdity or silliness or look, look as he reads here. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is with, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is your wise men? Where are the scholars? Where is the philosophers of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of the world, God was pleased through what? The foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness, there it is again, to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than their strength. Do you see how many times God said it's foolishness, absurdity, the world won't understand it, I'll frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. God said His power is there to be unleashed. He says, but you got to know how to release my power in your life. And can I tell you something this morning? It's not church. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not uh, being somebody that you're not. It's unleashing the cross of Christ and understanding the wisdom and the power of God is unleashed in that cross And this morning, if you find anything, don't find a church, don't find a word. We need the church, we need the word, 
But we've got to unleash the power that's released through the cross of Christ. And I want God to reveal that this morning. Hallelujah. As we look, Jesus in John chapter 3, if you would turn there, verse 14. How many remember the, the most, probably the most famous scripture of all the scriptures is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that scripture, which is that offer and demonstration of God's love toward us. But read the scriptures before that. This is Jesus' words and he's trying to reveal what he's trying to offer and he's trying to tell you um, in, the, in the simplest, most efficient way what it means uh, and how we can follow him and unleash his power in our life. And he says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. Then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. So what's he talking about here? He's using an example from a story in Numbers in the Old Testament. And Jesus is in the most simplest terms trying to explain how we are to follow him, how we're to release his power in our life. And he's using the example from this story in Numbers chapter 21 in the Old Testament. And if you've ever seen this story, I'm going to paraphrase it here. But in Numbers chapter 21, Moses is in the valley of Moab with the children of Israel. And they get into an area where they're being bitten by snakes, poisonous snakes, fiery serpents are biting them. And God does something that Jesus uses 1,400 years later to say, this is what I'm going to do. And what he does is, he said, I want you to get basically a stick, and I want you to put this cursed creature on there. How many know the serpent is the first creature that was cursed? And so it's this cursed creature, it demonstrates sin, and he said, I'm going to take this cursed creature... Put it on a stick and you're going to look and you're going to live. And what he's trying to demonstrate is that's what my cross is going to be like. I'm going to be cursed by dying on a tree. They're going to actually execute me like a criminal. I'm going to die on a tree and that is going to symbolize me, the Son of Man, being lifted up for you. And he said, all you have to do, Moses said, God has instructed me with this. All you have to do is look and live. Look and live. And so what were these people experiencing at that time? Those people had a snake bite. It was poisonous. They were dying. They were in the process of death. How many know they were on the road to dying? There was no pulling back. They were going to die because they were snake bitten. And God said, all you have to do is look and live. And if you begin to read through the, the, the scriptures, there's an insinuation there that a lot of people died because they thought it was too simple. <laughs> they thought it was too simple. 
They said, how can you just look and live? How's that going to cure my snake bite if I just look and live? And church, can I tell you something today? We've all been snake bitten. When sin entered into the world, we had a problem. Sin entered, that means death entered. Death entered, all this broken world entered, all of this abuse entered, all of this anxiety, fear, everything that comes along with the snake bite. And how many know we're all just waiting to die? We're all in that process. We're waiting like a snake-bitten man waiting to die. And God is saying, all you have to do over the course of your life, just look and live. And whatever that message is, that message is going to reverse everything. All of the sin, all of the death, all of the anxiety, all of the fear, if you'll just look and live, then it'll change your life forever. And that seems absurd, doesn't it? It seems absurd that we would go and preach the message of the cross. In fact, I stand here every week and I say, look and live. If you'll just receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, if you'll just accept His death and resurrection, how many know that that sounds absolutely absurd? That's why the Bible says it's absurdity. It's foolishness. How can I just believe? Have you ever thought about how, how, what do you mean? Just believe and everything's going to change? Just look and live, believe in Jesus Christ and everything's going to change. And you go into prisons. I've been in those prisons and I've sat down with people, uh, that have lost their entire life. They're not getting out. And you say to yourself, look and live. Look at, just look at the cross of, and they don't understand it. It confounds the world. It, it, it sounds like absurdity. It sounds like it can never work. Uh, you ever sat and talked to somebody whose marriage is being destroyed and you sit down and you say, look and live. Trust Jesus Christ. Do you understand how absurd this is? You ever seen somebody that's really, really addicted to, to drugs, just really addicted to heroin, really addicted to, you know, uh, alcohol, just really heavy in addiction, and you sit down and you look at them. And you say, you know what? You'll trust Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. If you'll look and live, He'll change everything. You know how absurd that sounds? Do you understand the absurdity of this gospel? But this is how God, He prophesied through Isaiah 800 years before, seven, eight hundred years. He said, I'm going to confound the wisdom of the wise. I'm going to cause the intellectual, the, the intelligent, their intelligence to be frustrated. I'm going to make it so simple that it'll confound the wise. And so God is trying to help us understand the power that is available to us this morning. And, but we've got to really get past, um, how many of you know we've got to get past our intelligence? We gotta get past our, uh, man, I, that sounds absurd. You know, how can that do it? How can I call somebody to this altar? You bow your knee and suddenly everything changes? I mean, do you understand what I'm proposing this morning? And the Bible says it's absurd, but this is how God did it. He chose to do it this way. 
Let me give you another absurdity that's in here. The method of delivering the message. I want you to think how absurd this is. In verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 1, where we've been reading here, it says, For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him. What? All of the intelligence that the world has, they still did not know Him? That means you can be as smart as you want to be, you can be as studied as you want to be, you can be as intelligent as you want to be, but he says that the world through its wisdom did not know him. It didn't matter how great their philosophies were, wasn't great how great their their intellectuals were, it doesn't matter how great their science was, all of their wisdom put together, they still could not know God. He says, but God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. The Jews demand signs. They said, well, give us a sign. The Greeks demanded philosophy or wisdom. They said, give us intelligence. (laughs) But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. There it is again. So he says it's through the preaching of this absurd gospel that he is releasing his power to those who believe, not through the intelligence, not through the wisdom. You say, well, Chad, i got this really smart preacher. And i got this preacher, he's so smart. i got this philosophy that's so smart. I've got the Internet, man, it knows everything. I've got AI on my side. They can't know God through that. God decided to confound the intellectuals. Decided to confound the wise. He tried to make it so simple that it was almost an insult to the wise. And he said he's going to do it through the preaching. And you know that you say, well, that's through you, Chad, the preacher. No, that word means to proclaim. It means a town crier. It means somebody who's yelling out everything about him being crucified. They're giving you the message of the cross and they're yelling to anybody to listen. You ever got saved? I see people that get saved and full of the Holy Spirit. They get on fire for God and they're telling everybody about what God did when they gave their life to Christ. Church, I'm telling you, that's the town crier. That's the preaching, the message of the cross. Look what Christ did in my life since I gave my life to Christ. And he says, I've decided I'm going to do it through the preaching of the, the, the cross of Christ, Christ crucified. Through the preaching, I'm going to change hearts in that manner. That's the method that I've chosen. You know how absurd that is. He says it's foolishness that he chose to do it through the preaching. God could have done it any way. He could have had some dusty old book sitting in a building. And that dusty old book had all the archives of everything that can be known from God. But you know what God decided to do? He tried. He decided to put his word in us. You know how absurd that is? They must be the finest of the and the best of the best because he's going to put his word inside of them. God has asked us to take that word and he said that word is like a seed. That word is in us. That word is living in us. That word is growing in us. And can I tell you something? When we proclaim that message, how many know the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters and God created all the heavens and the earth, but God put his word in us and when we speak it, life comes up. 
You can talk to that broken marriage. You can talk to that alcoholic. You can talk to that drug addict. You can talk to that person in depression. And when you have that word inside of you, it's through the absurdity of proclaiming the word that God has decided to do his work. He wanted to do his creative power through us. And that is absurd. He could have done it so many other ways, but he wanted it to be filled up in us to bring his power to other people's lives. You know how absurd that is. It is an absurd message. It is an an absurd cross. And the last thing, listen to this, verse 26. It says, brothers and sisters, these are the believers, right? 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. (laughs) That's where it really gets absurd. That's when it starts to get really funny, really goofy, really moronic, really absurd. But think of where you were at when you were called. See, God wanted to confound the wise. When Jesus came to this earth, I mean, no, He didn't go to the seminaries. He didn't go to the scribes. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He went to the fishermen that were working third shift throwing their nets. He went to the men that they called uneducated. He went to anybody who would listen. In fact, Jesus said, the prostitutes are coming in before you Pharisees. How many of you know that God decided to put His message and, and He decided the power of God to flow through that message that's in us every time we study that Word? That's a seed that can change a person's life. That Gospel will change a person's life. God put it in us and He said, just think about what you were like before you were called. Church, I want you to look around and think about what each one of you were before you were called. Think about the army that God built. God took people who would believe and He began to change their life. And church, people always ask, well, where are the miracles? Where is the miracles uh, today? Why don't we see miracles today in church? I'm so full right now of miracles, I don't know what to do with myself. How many know that the power of God is for salvation? God contained the power in that cross. And man, every time I see a person who was addicted to drugs and God changed their life, I say, my God, what a miracle. How incredible is that? How incredible is it for somebody who's full of bitterness and hatred and, and, and don't get along with anybody? How great is it that God did a miracle and now they can love somebody, they can forgive somebody. They can have the peace of God flow in their life. They can reach people with their message And that person was the most lost person I've ever seen in my life. How many of you know the power of God is contained in that cross, but it's almost like God is reserving His miracles for what He's doing inside of you. You say, where are the miracles God is doing? Church, in this this church, I, I can't tell you how many miracles I've seen just this week. How many know when God saved you, from what He saved you from and then raised you up to put the Word in you, that's absurd. That's absurd. That's miracles beyond any miracle that's even in the Bible. You know, to take a broken heart, take a broken marriage, take a broken life, take a broken family, and then you see that person full of the Spirit of God and you say, what happened to that person? That's the power of the cross. And only the ones that unlock the power of the cross 
will understand what I'm talking about. To everybody else, it's foolishness, it's absurdity. But that's how God chose to do it. You can unlock the power or you can just walk through the motions. It says, but God, listen, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. Hallelujah. I'm so glad God chose the despised things. Hallelujah. How many of you ever felt despised? Well, you got hope because that's who God chose, it says right there. Hallelujah. Chose the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. He has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let no one who boasts, let let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Hallelujah. See how God made it? where we can't even boast in ourselves because we were so absurdly picked. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many feel like it was absurd that you were picked? Hallelujah. I know it. I'm standing up here preaching and I'm thinking, man, I wasn't of noble birth. You know, I'm not the brightest one. You know, I'm not. In fact, a lot of times I may ever sit around and think, why me? Why am I? <laughs> this is absurd. You know, why am I preaching the gospel? Hallelujah. God took the absurd things of this world because he didn't want anybody to boast in himself. Mm. Hallelujah. And finally, the last thing. How is the power of God released? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. John 1.12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Do you hear this power? This unleashing of power? You say, well, how do I unleash God's power in my life? I'm reading it to you. He unleashes the power through the cross. When you understand the cross, power is available. You say, well, what kind of power is it? Well, it's the same kind of power that flows through a fruit tree and brings fruit. You know, it's the same kind of power that brought this world into creation. How many know when the power of God begins to flow in you, they're going to see things in you that are shocking. They're going to see a person they don't recognize anymore. God has reserved His power uh, for the people that believe in Him and receive that cross of Christ and that resurrection. Hallelujah. Because he says it twice here. He says, but to those who God called, both Jew and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He says in the beginning that the message is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so I want you to begin to understand 2 Timothy 3.5. Remember I told you about people all across the country right now, all across the world, they're coming to church on Thanksgiving, on the holidays. They're popping in for just out of nowhere. They're just coming into church and they're looking for the power of God. And they're not finding it. 
because of the scripture. Timothy was being warned by Paul in 2 Timothy 3.5. He said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such people turn away. Can I tell you something? There are a lot of people that don't have that power flowing in their life. They have a form of godliness. They look like they're spiritual. They look like they're religious. They go to church every Sunday. They even read their Bibles on a regular basis. But there's no power flowing through there. They said they have a form of godliness, meaning they look religious. They look like they're doing the right things, but somehow the power isn't being demonstrated in their life. They're not changing. You know, they don't love more. They don't forgive more. They don't have more peace. They don't have more of the fruit of the Spirit. They don't have more goodness. They don't have more kindness. You understand, when this power is flowing through you, it's doing things. You say, well, man, I'm good to everybody all the time. No, you're forgiving a lot more. (laughs) You know, you're asking for forgiveness a lot more. You're actually, power of God's flowing through you and doing mighty things in your life. Hallelujah. I want to give you a story here. Let me read the scripture first. One of the best three verses I can think of in the Bible, Jesus is trying to explain how to unlock that power in your life. He's he's trying to tell you what to do with my cross. It's like, what do you do? You just look at it? Do I just look at it and live? No, do I? What what do I do? You know, how do I get this power to flow in my life? Jesus said it really well. He said, Jesus told his disciples, this is Matthew 16.24, very important scripture. If you don't already have it highlighted, we talked about it the other day. Matthew 16.24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to read a little more there, but I want you to think about that alone. Jesus had not been condemned to die yet. (laughs) He was still with his disciples. He hadn't been condemned to a cross. The cross was nowhere in the picture yet. Yet he knew that he was heading that direction. So before anybody ever knew anything about a cross or him dying on a cross or anything, he's telling his disciples, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your cross, come after me, let let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Then he says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What would a man give in return for his soul? Hallelujah. And we were talking the other day, my my son and I were talking, and he was telling me a story, and I'm going to share it this morning. Um, how many have ever heard of Josh McDowell? Um, he wrote a book called uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and it's probably... Um, maybe the most concise, best on-campus uh, apologetics book that you can get. And he's just known around the world for apologetics and being on college campuses. And he's just had an amazing life. But a lot of people didn't realize, I didn't actually realize this. I gave him the book and I didn't even realize his testimony. But um, I want to explain to you how the power is released in your life. 
Because you can hear a million sermons, but if you don't understand how the power gets released in a person's life, it's in that, for, in that verse where Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain life. But if you hold on to it, that's all you got. You'll lose it. You'll die. But if you lose your life and live it for me, you'll gain it. And so this is a perfect example. Josh McDowell grew up with a very abusive alcoholic father. In fact, he was so um, addicted to alcohol and so um, bad of an alcoholic, he would uh, beat his mother so badly and and it was a recurring thing and sometimes he couldn't even recognize her. She got beaten up so bad. And he hated his father. He grew up in a home, knew nothing about God. And you can imagine, right? The bitterness, the anger. Um, hated his father, was embarrassed with his father. His father was always drunk. And at one point he actually said he took him, they actually would take him take him into the barn and tie him up because they were embarrassed. And sometimes he would slip the rope around his neck hoping his dad would die. And he wanted his dad to die. And was bitter and was angry. And how many know a lot of people are walking around in the world right now bitter and angry and don't know what to do with it? And so on top of that, as he was a young man, they had somebody who was a hired hand at the house there and would come there on a regular basis. Well, this man would be left with him quite often, and he was being sexually abused repeatedly for years uh, by this person. And so he was abused for his whole childhood um, by this male worker that would come in there to do service work at the house. And so you can imagine how angry and how bitter. and 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 so I can just see him crying out, Help me, Lord. Yeah, and then he, yeah, I'm glad you're giving me the details. He, he tried to tell his mother and she didn't believe him and, and she took him and beat him because he thought he was lying about the, the worker and, but just a very bitter person. And I want you to think about this because this is where the power of God has to be released into a person's life. And we need to know what the power of God is. We need to see miracles from God. And here's how you unlock it, a perfect example. He goes onto a college campus. Bitter, angry, a pre-law student, very intelligent young man. And he's seen a group of people that shocked him. He just could not believe that they loved people outside of their own group. He said it seemed like they loved everybody, you know, and they tried to reach out to everybody. And so when he ran into them, they said to him, they said, um, they tried to tell him about Jesus Christ. And he uh, got very angry and he said, I don't want to hear anything about the Bible about God, and they said we didn't say anything about God in the Bible. We said Jesus Christ, and uh, he got very angry. Didn't accept their message. Didn't believe in the Bible. Didn't believe in God. Didn't want to hear about Jesus Christ. And so they would interact with him several days, and then finally they said, "If you don't believe this, they said, then why don't you go prove that Jesus Christ did not die and raise from the dead? And if you can prove that to us, we'll believe you." And so he began on a journey. In fact, if you've ever read his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, I highly recommend it. Uh, more documentation is in that book than almost anyone I've ever seen. 
about who Christ is and, and, and the Bible. And uh, he went on a quest, and, and what he ended up finding out is this is maybe the most provable fact in history, that this person is who he said he was, and he came directly in contact with the cross of Christ. And uh, by studying that way, he finally said to himself, this person is real. This person did die, and, and I'm going to give my life to him. And how many know when he did that, when he fully laid down his life and said, Christ, my life is yours. That's what you have to do. There's no way to God but through that cross. You have to lay your life down and say, God, live your life through me. Do in me what you want to do in me. And and when you know something, it was like an explosion of power. It was like a power was released, like a nuclear weapon. And something in his heart, miracle beyond anything I've ever seen. When I see these in people, I've never seen miracles like this. He went back to his father. And he forgave his father. And he said, I love you. Church, do you know what a miracle that is? If you've been in families where people don't get along, they have unforgiveness, they have hatred toward one another, do you know what it means for him to go back to his father and say, I love you and I forgive you? And his father was so startled He said, how can you possibly love me? How is it possible that you love me after everything I did to you? And and he said, I found Jesus Christ in my life. And, and, And his father, who had been drinking for 40 years and hurt a lot of people, his father took one more sip of alcohol and never drank again. Led his father to the Lord and his father died 13 months later. Can I tell you guys something? That is the power of God. You say, well, why don't God give me a new car? Why doesn't God pay my rent? Why doesn't God do all these miracles? Because God releases His power in your life so you can love. You say, well, why doesn't He take the abuser away? Because they have free will. What God does is a miracle in you to break through that meanness that you're experiencing. You know, the only person that's ever going to break through that meanness is the person that's carrying that life in them, that person that's carrying that word in them, the absurdity of that. I'm going to send him back to go win his father to the Lord when he wanted to kill his dad? (laughs) Do you understand the power of the gospel this morning? When you come to that cross, you just can't say, I want to be religious. You just can't say, I'm turning over a new leaf. You just can't say, I want to start going to church. All those things are great, but if you haven't been confronted with the cross of Christ... That power won't be released in your life. You gotta lay down on that cross. You gotta put those arms out and you gotta say, God, I'm gonna take up mine. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do what you did. I'm gonna lay my life down and I want you to begin to pour love into my heart. I want you to begin to pour forgiveness into my heart. I want to have the peace that passes all understanding. And how many know when you do that, it's like a nuclear bomb went off. That power is released. It's called dunamis in the Bible. Dynamite's where we get our work. Dunamis is released in your life through the cross of Christ and God begins to do miracles. I mean, real, real miracles. I'm telling you. Absolute miracles, church. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. But here's the problem. Come on up, worship team. It seems so simple. Remember how absurd and simple it seemed? Isn't that weird that a lot of the 
Children of Israel wouldn't look up at that thing and live even though they were snake bitten. And this morning, they see here. Um, but it's just imagine being snake bitten and you won't look and live because it seems too simple. You say, well, how does that relate to us? We're all dying. We, we, we could be gone tomorrow. We could be gone 30 years from now. We could be gone tomorrow. But God's just saying, look and live. Just follow me. You know, bury yourself in that cross and get lost. I, I, I'll tell you one more story here because I, I just think it's so awesome. We watched a movie this week. How many of you have ever seen the movie The Blind? Have I seen this movie? It's uh, uh, Bill Robertson from the Duck Dynasty show and the series, and he made they made a movie about his life. And uh, man, that movie—he is just running from God, angry. He's bitter. He's drinking very heavy. He's, you know, just lost and losing everything, losing his family, his wife and kids. You know, just got his, his life's being destroyed. And he's just trying to find God, trying to find, he really is not looking for God. He's just running as fast as he can from God. And one of the things in that movie that really amazed me is, um, he finally lost everything. He finally was rock bottom. He didn't really know where to turn, didn't really know what to do. And then his, a preacher came out to see him and just began to tell him, about the cross of Christ, the love of Christ. Just begin to tell him about what it meant to live for Christ. And Phil Robertson got baptized, fully gave his life to Christ. The man really loves the Lord. Godly man. But then right after he did that and got baptized, all of his old friends show up at his doorstep. And they're all ready to drink again. They're all ready to party again. They're all ready to take that old man that he used to be and and do it all over again. And I just love this. And church, I want this for every person in here. He looked at the guy and he said, "Uh, that man you're looking for, he doesn't live here anymore. The old man died. God raised up a new man. And they wanted to go hunting, they wanted to go drinking, and so he goes inside and he makes himself a cup of coffee like he did all through the movie. And it looks like he's getting ready to go out with those guys and he changed his mind. But instead of going out with them, he wakes his little boy up, his oldest son Willie, and they always wanted to hunt with him. And he wakes his boys up and he says, time to go hunting, boys. And you just see God doing a miracle. God taking a dad, putting him back in the home. And those kids are some of the most famous hunters in the world right now, but he would never spend time with his kids. And and do you know that's a miracle, church? That's the power of the gospel being released. And, and you know, I was at my uh, my in-laws for Thanksgiving. And uh, I hate preaching about my kids because I don't want to embarrass them, but I was looking at my uh, pictures on the wall and my son's got a uh, 
plaque there that shows all the records he broke, you know, all the uh, basketball records he broke all through his lifetime. And we worked together and did things together. And I kind of pointed at it and laughed. I said, you remember that guy? And he was just kind of laughing. His picture was there in his plaque. And he said, that guy don't live here anymore, Dad. <laughs> he gave his heart to the Lord. He said, that guy don't live here anymore, Dad. I'm a new man. <laughs> church, can I tell you, there's more than church. There's more than the Word. There's power that God wants to release in your life. But that cross is the only way. When you lay it all down and say, God, I give it all to you, man, your life's going to change forever. Your brightest days are so far ahead of you. I I get to live for the Lord my whole life. But you know what? The moment I pass away, I'm in His presence. There's no more anxiety, no more fear, no more death, no more suffering. I can't wait to be with Him. I'm ready to be with Him right now. But church, i got a few more days here where I want to glorify Him. It's Christ alone right now. And then I'm going to be with Him. Church, can we do that today? Let's lay our lives down. If you've never given your life to the Lord, you've never fully laid your life down, today's the day. There may not be tomorrow. And so if you would just bow your heads this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Man, if you're ready, you're ready to fully give your life to Christ, all God says is confess with your mouth, believe it in your heart, and just begin to follow Him. Take up your cross. And the only thing He asks is, Be baptized. Show the world your decision you made in your heart and make it public. And so I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, you can come up to the front here, stay in your seats, but you need to tell me if you pray this prayer. Because I want to lead you down this road, church. I want you to find the power in your life that I found in my life. And I want you to know something. It's absurd that I'm standing here preaching today. It's absurd. I shouldn't be here. But it's God's glory. It's one of God's trophies. God's like, man, I did that. He can't brag. (laughs) I can't brag. God did it. Donald, you can't brag. Look at everybody in this room. We can't brag about it. God made us trophies of His grace. Hallelujah. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, say it with me. Heavenly Father, even if you prayed that prayer, I want to give my life fully to You, Lord. Lord, I lay my life down today. I will not take it back. Lord, I'll follow you all the days of my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, and let me take my cross and follow you from this day forward. If you prayed that prayer this morning, say in the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. And you need to find me and be water baptized. God will begin to change your life. You said, Chad, that's too simple. I don't believe it. It's absurd, I know. But it works. It absolutely works. If you'll pray that prayer, follow Jesus Christ. He'll begin to restore your life. He'll begin to release His power in your life. He'll begin to be real in your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's just worship this morning. Hallelujah. Find a place to pray. Hallelujah. We're going to close in a word of prayer. How many love the Lord today? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Lord, we love you so much, Lord. Father, I pray that that power would be released in every life, Lord God. Father, mighty, mighty power right now be released through your cross, through your resurrection. Lord, that everybody experience it, Lord, in their lives, in their relationships. Father, right now, I pray that you release that love, that joy, that peace, Lord, that gentleness, the kindness, Lord God. Let it just begin to surge through our spirits, Lord God, right now. Lord, let us take it to a dying world, Lord, our workplaces, to our families, to everywhere we go, Lord God, the absurdity, Lord, of that. Let us be your ministers, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen.